I want to just thank the team uh, for, for Mike and for Chris and for Courtney, who have all things uh, visual and audio and internet going. I um, probably don't often get a shout out um, unless there's a problem. Then you're like, what's up upstairs? How come they're not doing things? So thank you all for the unsung heroes that you are and just for the opportunity and the invitation for, for Nathan to, to have me here to have back. Okay. If you have a Bible with you or if you have an app with you, I invite you to open it up to Matthew chapter 6. You have arrived at the last episode of Walking in the Way of Life. And we've been going through kind of word by word and line by line of what we know is the Lord's Prayer. And we get one version of that in the book of Matthew chapter 6, and it begins in verse 9. So I invite you to, ch- to turn there. And this is 72 words, if we translated it from Greek, which likely it was originally written. 72 words, so Jesus sums up the entire gospel in 72 of these things. And that includes this last kind of piece, this, this doxology, this formal ending, this outro to this prayer. And you may not see this last line there in Scripture as it ends in verse 13. You might see it in the footnotes down below. The last word, the 72nd word that we're going to take a look at. Yes, for the next half hour-ish or so, we're going to talk about one word. And I'm going to try my best to keep it stimulating for us, all right? The last word is amen. Amen is the last word that we have here of the Lord's Prayer. So here's a few reflections if you're just joining with us or if maybe you haven't had a chance to be a part of all the past seven weeks here on this series as Emmaus, as uh, I think uh, Melissa spoke one week and Nate spoke, I think most of the rest, for walking the way of life. And here's just a few reflections from our living room as we have comfy blankets and a couch and we're in there or I've listened to it on the podcast. Here's just a few reflections along the way that, that uh, really, I think, bear mentioning once again as we kind of end this time. Number one, I think two words that, that change the trajectory of all humanity is the first two words of this prayer, and that is our and Father. Our and Father, said by Jesus, and they have a huge, huge impact. And team up above, let's go back one slide, but a, a uh, quote by Frank Laubach. He is a 20th century a theologian, and he says this about the most heard, probably most familiar prayer, and least understood. Our friend Frank says, the Lord's prayer is not a prayer to God to do something we want done. A lot of our prayers are like that, right? We, we go to God and say, God, would you please do this? And so Frank says, it's not a prayer for God to do something that we want done. It is more nearly God's prayer to us to help him do what he once done. He says it's not intercession, it is enlistment. It's not necessarily us interceding for God to do something on our behalf, but rather it is us kind of taking this invitation and participating with him on putting the world back together again. This is dangerous 72 words. This is a big obligation. This is a huge privilege. This is a really, really big deal. This is a prayer that Jesus said. We only get about seven of them, that he says, and we're still talking about this one, probably heard far beyond outside the church. If you're relatively new to your walk with Jesus, you've heard this before. And so this prayer begins with two words that changed the trajectory of all humanity. The words our 
and Father. See, with these two words, this has now the, the possibility of putting the world back together again, to take the broken pieces of what it looks like around us where God isn't fully reigning, and with these two words, it can now be fixed. It can now be molded back together. Because Jesus says, number one, our, which is his and our, so all of us. So he puts us all on common ground when he says our. Because he very easily could have said, my father. He very easily could have said, dear God, right? Which is still just kind of he's in a separate category. But Jesus, we're all can hear, says our. For all of us. And then a second revolutionary word, Jesus refers to the God of all creation as Father, which was revolutionary. No one's doing this before Jesus. He's the first. He's like the original OG of the OGs. Like this is the first one to do it, where he refers to the divine as Father, which is one of the things that got him killed. These are powerful and dangerous, pregnant with so much healing kind of words, our and Father. This is a really, really big deal, and I invite you, if you didn't get a chance to hear kind of the first week of the sermon, to, to listen to that. So our and Father. And the second, and there's only two, so don't think I'm going to go through seven different observations in another 40-minute sermon. It's okay. Breathe easy. We're going to be all right. Okay. There's just one more observation is this, and there's the line, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Maybe the passage in front of you says, your kingdom come, your will be done. These are synonymous, Right? And when Nate was going through kind of thy will be done, this part, something that is still kind of stuck to me from then is when he said, the question, what is the will of God, is a rabbit trail. This is almost a distraction. Because the question isn't so much, what is your will, God, but the more powerful one is, will I surrender to it? It's one thing to know what the will of God is. It's another thing to actually surrender to it and say, yes, I'll do it. And so one of the things he said is, many of us as Christians, myself included, we, we go through life wondering, God, what do you want to do? What, what is your will? What would you have for us? But rather, I wonder if God says, I'm more than willing to share with you. I just don't know if you're going to do it. And so we spend a lot of time like trying to, quote, seek God's will. And I'm wondering if God is saying to us, I'm seeking to know that you will actually do this. I don't think he withholds from us. I don't think he's like that. That's not a good father. But rather, maybe what God is asking of us when we say, God, what is your will? Is he saying, are you, are you ready to live this out? So it's almost like there's, there is a tension between God's will versus our willingness, so I think we'd be wise as a people, as, as followers of Jesus, to kind of move the scale from what is God's will, God's will to more, are we willing to act on that? Are we willing to jump in on something like that? That can be kind of an upgrade, a level up to that question, okay? And now to the 72nd word, amen, amen. How many of you, by a show of hands, have heard this word before? Okay, all that was was just to get your attentions restarted <laughs> once again, okay? Of course we've heard this. We've, we've heard this word, and maybe even the definition that we've heard before is something like, uh, do you agree, right? A lot of times pastors or people you'll say, um, it said like with a question mark at the end, like, amen, which is essentially like, hey, are you with me? And then the church says, 
Sometimes pastors do this out of insecurity, I got to say. We really do it because we're like, well, I want to make sure that I'm on the right track. And so we say, amen. And everyone says amen. And then sometimes you kind of half mean it. You're like, okay, it's already 1215. Let's get going, right? Okay. So it said like, hey, do you agree? Are you tracking with me? Sometimes we, we kind of think about it like, okay, once I hear amen, then we can start eating, right? As Thursday, I know, is on our minds, right? It's on our mind as a big meal that you'll likely have with, with loved ones or, or maybe not, meaning maybe you not, might not be with them or maybe you don't love them. Interpret that how you will, right? Um, but after the amen, then we eat or then the game starts or whatever it might be. But there's so much more meaning in this particular word. So we're going to take a look at it in three different ways. We're going to take a look at amen from the standpoint of a word. Then we're going to move to amen as an action. And then finally, amen as a person. So a word, an action, and a person. One of my most vivid memories of amen is, uh, so I, I grew up until about age 10 in these small, small churches in the Dallas, Texas area. And it was the kind of churches where you only read the King James Version of the Bible because that was the real Bible. This is not great theology, just to put that out there, okay? And so these were small churches, and every once in a while we would have, air quotes, an evangelist come and speak, which is, which is kind of code for that period of time is just we'd have a guest speaker for like five different services in a row held on Friday night, a couple on Saturday, and a couple on Sunday, and they were usually very different than the main pastor of the church. Okay, this is kind of my 10-year-old understanding of it, like, oh, I guess we have a guest and I guess that's what makes me this morning, <laughs> okay? So there I am, all of maybe 10 years old at max, and there's a guy that was there, and he was a very large individual with an even larger personality to boot. And so he's preaching, and I guess for whatever reason, he didn't feel like the crowd was with him, okay? He just he didn't feel like, am I really connecting? And maybe, I don't know if he needed to hear this more for himself or he wanted everybody else to do it, but he's going on and getting very passionate, very excited, Real quick, I'm about to do some sudden movements to everyone in the room, okay? But just don't fear. Okay, this is what he did. And I'm also about to yell, too, sound booth, to tell everyone in here. This is now, you've already kind of been giving away the surprise, right? But this is what he does. He's preaching, and then God does this, and God does this, and God does this. And it's kind of like this in the room. And God does this, and God, and this is what he does. Amen, preacher. That's a true story. Like he went down and was like, this is what you guys all should be doing. And I was like, well, this is a little bit presumptuous. Like what if we don't necessarily agree with you? And so for him, this was merely a, a, an expression of this word, right? Like, yes, you got it. We agree with you. One of my most vivid memories of the word amen. But the word, actually, there's quite a bit he got right as we can translate this just simply yes. But maybe not so simply. Yes, because I don't mean just an affirmative or like, yes, go ahead. Not that kind of yes. What I mean is this kind of yes. So I'm a, I'm a senior in high school, and we're in the basketball playoffs about to go to sectionals. Okay? I was all of probably 110 pounds senior year, and there we were in the playoffs. We find ourselves down by one point with the last, like, 30 seconds left in the game. No timeouts. Had to go down and just kind of do it kind of on our own. Hope we did well in practice for that particular week. 
And I've always been quite tall, so I played what we referred to in basketball on the block or down near the basket, right? And so the ball's over here on the left, just like this, and the ball gets passed to the top of the key or to the above the, free th the three-point line to a, uh, a young man named Wes, okay? And so Wes gets the ball, and I, in very kind of textbook post-player uh, fashion, swing my leg over, and now I have, I'm completely wide open, and I'm not bitter about it today that Wes took the shot, okay? So Wes shoots the ball, with about six to seven seconds left, and I just can't believe that that has happened because I was right here, and I'm two feet from the basket. He shoots, it bounces around on the rim, does not go in, but Chuck is right on the other side of the basket. My good friend Chuck, Chuck grabs the rebound, puts it up, goes through the net, the buzzer sounds, and mayhem, pandemonium, everyone goes crazy. I run straight for Chuck, and I am squeezing around him. I remember how tight my jaw was closed, and I was saying so loud in his ear, yes, yes, and I squeeze and I squeeze, and all of a sudden, like 20 seconds later, because I'm so excited, I look around, and we're the only two on the court, just us, because what I thought, I told you the story how I remember it. We were down by one, and we're actually down by two. The game is tied. We go to overtime. We lost in overtime to fast forward. Sorry. But that's the kind of yes, like, yes, this jubilant, this excited, this I cannot believe this, this kind of yes. The kind of yes where I thought for a moment Chuck's head was just going to pop clean off right after he made, made the basket, right? So when we think of amen, we think of maybe the writers, or even when we say it, we think of yes. Yes, and in Revelation chapter 5, we get a glimpse of this. So if you have a Bible with you or an app, turn to Revelation chapter 5. We're going to read a few verses there to kind of capture this 2,000 years earlier as John writes, as he sees the vision of what's happening. Let's get a glimpse of what this looks like in the pages of Scripture. We're going to start in verse 11. We're going to get a glimpse of the kind of yes that I mean, but through the pen of John. Revelation chapter 5, verse 11 to 14. So John has seen these visions, and so he writes to us, Then I looked, and I heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands, and 10,000 times 10,000. It sounds like when you're a little kid trying to explain a number that's really, really big, and you say things like 11 million, right? It doesn't actually exist, but it's just like this is a lot of angels. So he's trying to put to words like, I can't even begin to tell you how many angels this is. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders, in a loud voice they were saying, we hear this song, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. And, and it could continue, right? And they're singing, they're praising, they're worshiping Jesus, the slain Lamb, the sacrificial Lamb for the sins of the world. John says, and then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth. I think that about covers it, right, John? Like every living creature. It doesn't say every living person, too, but rather creature. So maybe every living organism, plants, 
animals, everything, and all that is in them, saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, help me out, friends. Amen. They say amen, and the elders fell down and worshiped because what else are you going to say when that kind of scene is all around you? And maybe you didn't know the words of the song, so all you know to say is yes. Like, yes, this moment is here. Jesus is reigning and is full, full potential right now. Yes. Amen. Yes, exclamation point. Caps lock with a few emojis, too. Right, let's go to a quote. So we move towards an action. Kind of phase two, act two of amen. We come to God with the history of naysaying, of rejecting and being rejected. This is what Eugene Peterson writes. He says, at the throne of God, we are immersed in God's yes. A yes that silences all our no's and calls forth an answering yes in us. This past eight months has been a season of no's, has it not? No, you can't go do that. No, we're not going to be a part of that. No, we can't join them right now. What you thought was going to happen or what was communicated by your boss or by by a supervisor or by someone in your family, um, now plans have changed what you intended to do. Maybe you had a big, like, anniversary trip or, or something. And maybe for many of you, it's like, no, you know, kind of life's been pretty-ish normal, but there's maybe been some things you've had to adjust that were particularly disappointing. This has been a long period of time in our world where it's been no, 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 no. And so it's, I don't know whether it's ironic or it's fitting that we speak about this today, that when we come to God, especially in the last of these, these eight months of rejecting and being rejected, when we approach him, we are immersed in God's yes. And so what happens is we begin to have a life of yes. Much like the early church, the early church had a word that morphed into a core kingdom value by which they chose to live, and that was according to the amen. They lived in a yes in a yes fashion, with with all of the pain, with all of the brokenness that was around them at this time, and we think of even ours, even right now, we can be a people of hope, we can be a people of yes, we can be a people of expectancy, of a faith in God. I don't mean yes, like, hey, think positive, be optimistic. I think in a, in a, a belief and a trust in God that he is going to do the things that he said he's going to do, even if it doesn't look like it all around that even when it doesn't look like it, God is with us. Even when it doesn't look like it, God is for us. Even when it doesn't look like it, God is at work around us. When all no's are around us, there is a yes that is still happening. This is a generative, creating, ongoing kind of force that's happening, and we're invited to live in it even when it seems like life is a real big letdown. There's plenty of times in the past eight months that not only myself or some friends or my family, we've been let down. But still we can hold out hope. We can hold out hope and expectancy. And I I can't promise that things are going to be better, but what I can guarantee you is it won't 
always be this way. It won't always be this way. It won't always be this way. Maybe that's the half step to living as in a yes. There's a familiar passage that maybe you've seen on throw pillows or refrigerator magnets. Uh, It's Jeremiah 29, 11. Are you familiar with this? I'll throw it on the screen. It's also in graduation cards a lot, too. Maybe you gave one to someone. I wasn't, I'm not poking fun. I'm just saying, okay? This is uh, the, the prophet Jeremiah. He says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. And this message of like, okay, things are going to be all right. Things are going to be good. Again, there's quite a few, a lot of swag for Jeremiah 29.11. A lot of things are on there because it does provide hope. But let me get a little bit behind the scenes, behind the pen on what's happening, the scene that Jeremiah is looking at when he writes this. I'd like for you to picture the scene of September 12th, 2001. And Jeremiah sitting on a bunch of broken down cement. There's still flames, there's still smoldering, ash is still in the air. This is the kind of scene that he's looking at when he writes this. I think of our friends across the state, um, even way up north as they've had some big fires up there, and it's been um, particularly tough this year around, around the state for fires. Think about what it's like the day after your home is just soot, is just ash, just there. This is the scene where Jeremiah is writing this. A lot of times, and I'll just kind of show my hand, when I, see picture, when I, when I picture what the scene is, it's always like 3 o'clock in the afternoon in like um, meadows out in the middle of like Montana or something is what I picture like scriptures at. Like this bright and cheery, 74 degrees, everything's great. But it's a lot like real life where it isn't like that all the time. So Jeremiah sees this, and there is a, it is rough in front of him. And for all the ink that Jeremiah gets as being this great prophet, do you know how many converts he had? One. And that was his scribe. So that guy, like, had to believe him. Jeremiah is not megachurch material, Right? So in the midst of this, this is the life that he's gone through. This is the scene that he's looking at. There is nose all around him. And in the midst of that, he gives us this truth. He gives us this promise to hold on to, this life of hope that we can live for us and for others. Over these past eight months, again, to share personally, there's been times where I felt there's had a little bit of this, like, uh, survivor's guilt. I don't know if anybody else in the room feels me on that. But there's been some setbacks for our family, but I know there's plenty around the country that have had things very, very difficult. So if you're in a position to to spread hope, to share hope, whether it be tangibly, like with with finances or with time or with, with, with a note, with a gift, with something, to be a people of yes, to be a people of the amen, to live this out when those are all around us for us to be a people of yes. Amen, question mark? Man, very good. Last, last act. The last act of amen. Amen as a person. Amen as a person. 
Let's go back to Revelation just one more time. This time we're going to be in Revelation chapter 3, and this is John continuing to write. Revelation chapter 3, we're going to look at verse 14. And this is Jesus speaking to John what John is to say to this church in Laodicea or Laodicea. There's like three other pronunciations. I never know which one's right, but that church right there. It says, To the angel of the church in Laodicea, write, These are the words of the what? The amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. The amen is referring to Jesus. The ultimate yes. The yeses of all yeses. Jesus is the amen, the person of Jesus. So it isn't just necessarily a word that we can use. It isn't just a lifestyle to have that we see all of God's amen is wrapped up in Jesus. The ultimate and final and the most authoritative yes that we will see. We find um, a great book that I actually would recommend is with someone that's over at William Jessup University. His name is David Timms, and he has written a book called Living the Lord's Prayer years ago. And from there, the quote, he says this to us. He says, all of the promises of God find their yes in Jesus. Amen finds its ultimate expression in the person of Jesus. And to give a little bit behind the scenes, too, in what John is writing, this church in Laodicea, a little bit later, what we find is Jesus says that you've been lukewarm. You've kind of, kind of been in the middle. You haven't been fully, fully, fully hot or fully, fully cold. You've kind of just been lukewarm. Middle of the road, which is a dangerous place to be in a number of contexts, and especially with their faith. And it's almost as if John is saying the church in Laodicea had become a people of the, maybe, a people of the, we'll see. That's what my mom used to say when I was younger, when I would ask a question. Mom, can we go do this? We'll see. And I knew, like, it's not going to happen. It's totally, that means no, right? So it's almost as if Laodicea has just become like, eh. And so Jesus tells John to say, tell them that the amen is saying this which is to say, be a people, become a people of the yes, of the yes, to embody what Jesus embodies. So we can move from kind of a maybe or a eh. <laughs> One time, it was years ago, we asked some friends like, hey, you guys going to come hang out with us? And this is what their answer was, quote, uh, we'll either be there or we won't. Well, absolutely you will. Like, I know that's the options. Like, I'm asking if you're going to be there, this noncommittal, this like, Ah, this yes, the ultimate yes is what, is what God is, is inviting us to live into. So we've kind of done this word, action, person. Okay, what do we go from here? So here's, here's something to offer us an invitation for how to integrate amen into our lives. And there's just three things before we wrap up this morning. Before we wrap up the last word of the Lord's Prayer and we finish this series. So how do we, how do we integrate? How do we really instill Amen, into our day-to-day lives. Well, number one is get to know Jesus a little better every day. Just a little bit better every day. So that could mean maybe 
every day you read some of Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, the accounts and the life of Jesus. Maybe just a little bit. You read, you read a little bit. Maybe you have a book that is, that is about Jesus or you, something where just a little bit more. So often in our Christian walk, we think it has to be these huge and sweeping and grand expressions of faith that, okay, I'm going to wake up tomorrow morning at 3 in the morning. I'm going to pray for three hours, and that's, just give it three minutes and over time. So integrating the amen, get to know Jesus a little better every day. Number two, let's choose hope in the midst of pain. This goes beyond just looking on the bright side once again. It's easy to be kind of Pollyanna about it, to be um, glass half full. It goes beyond that. But choosing to be a people of hope, choosing to say God is with you, even if that's all you know how to say to someone who's hurting. Choosing to be a people of hope in the midst of the pain. And the last one, this may be the most difficult. And that is, do what you say you're going to do. It can be very simple and sometimes quite complex. See, just a few verses earlier in this sermon, because this, this prayer comes in the midst of a sermon, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Jesus says to the people that are listening, he says to us today, let your yes be your yes and your no be a no. No pinky promises, no swears, no promise promise. Just let your word be true. Have integrity, follow through, keep your word. God shows us his love with his nonstop ability to follow through on all of his promises. That's how he shows his faithfulness to us. So for us as a people, the little things that happen every single day, do what you say you're going to do. And I'm, that's not because, I'm not saying that because I've already arrived and I can do that. I'll confess on Friday night, it's movie night at the, at the Ahas. And this past Friday night, I was about 35 minutes late on arriving and I missed the first 30 minutes of The Muppets. That was our movie we were going to watch. And I brought home cold pizza because I was the one picking up dinner for the evening. I said I was going to be here at a certain time. I didn't do it. So I owned it. I told you all I was going to be here at this time, and I wasn't. Because, you know, sometimes life happens, right? We, change, we can change plans. We can recommit. So even the little things, and what time you're going to be there, if you're going to go to that meeting, if you're going to complete this task, Yes, it seems very kind of menial and disconnected, but simply doing and completing and following through on what you say you're going to do is one of the ways that we can most reflect the nature of God. As he creates worlds with his words. As the promises we have here in Scripture, he's made true on all of those. So simply integrating the amen is following through on the commitments that you have to yourself and to other people. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Would you pray with me, please? God, thank you for the friends that are gathered here and the friends that are with us online in some other parts of the state or even the country or the world. Thank you for those that maybe are getting a chance to, to hear this after November 22nd. 
ask that you would help all of us and stir in all of us the courage and the willingness to be a people of the amen, to live this out, to have our lives exclaim, caps lock, yes, exclamation point, the way that you have done in us, the way you have done uh, in Jesus. So God, we ask your, your covering of, of blessing upon us, but not for us to hoard, for us to give away, to be a people of hope. Thank you, God, for the way that you love us, for the way that you complete and make true on all the promises that you've made to us. May we reflect the same. In Jesus' name and for his sake, amen.